This week's message, given by Pastor Stephen Young at the Circuit Sunny United Methodist Church, September 17th, 2023. The message is God's Exit Plan, Life's Lessons from Exodus 2, based on Exodus 14, 5-14. Be still and know that I am your God, and see the battle that I fight for you. Oh God, we look to the assuring words for ourselves, for our lives, for our family, for our community, for our nation today. Speak to us. And teach us a way of liberation, a way of new beginnings. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So a Sunday school child was asked by his mother what he learned in Sunday school. Well, Mom, our teacher told us how God sent Moses behind enemy lines on a rescue mission to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. When he got to the Red Sea, he had his engineers build a pontoon breach, and all the people walk across safely. Then he used his walkie-talkie to radio headquarters for reinforcements. They sent bombers to blow up the breach, and all the Israelites were saved. Well, Johnny, is that really what your teacher taught you in Sunday school? His mother asked, well, no, Mom, but if I told it the way my Sunday school teacher taught, you would never believe it. (laughs) How about your friends? Do you believe it? Given the absence of historical records in Egypt and the uh, ancient Near East, some scholars argue that The stories in the book of Exodus have no historical evidence. Therefore, it's a sort of legendary folk tale created by the Israelites. It's true that no evidence of this great Exodus has been discovered in the Egyptian historical records. In other words, the Bible is the only evidence for these biblical stories. In other words, um, you know, it's easy for us to be swayed by those sort of scientific um, arguments that some scholars make. But the one thing we need to notice, though, that it was a common practice for the pharaohs not to record their defeats. You know, these pharaohs claimed themselves as God among his people. So why would they want to record their failures in historical records? Also, think about what people would choose to start off as slaves in a foreign country if they are given the opportunity to make up the story of their origins. This is known as the criterion of embarrassment. It's hard to imagine 
anyone telling this story unless it has a grain of truth to it. So how should we as modern readers read this Bible story that even makes it hard for a Sunday school child to believe? I want to invite you to come join us for our Wednesday Bible study as we discuss these matters of interpretation extensively. Well, after telling the joke in the beginning, I ask you the question, do you believe it? Do you believe it? In fact, this question isn't solely about whether you accept the story as a historical fact or not. It's about whether you believe in the God who created water and separated the waters of chaos and created dry land at the very beginning of the universe. The God who brought Noah's family to safety on dry ground after enduring 40 days of catastrophic flooding. You know, some Christians believe to understand. They believe to understand, while others understand to believe. Whatever your faith approach is, if you believe that God is the creator of all things, what would be easier? Creating the waters or parting them? But it, what's even more fundamental challenging is to keep trusting in the same God, our divine exit planner, the one who promises lead us and guide us when we don't see the way ahead, even when it seems the path forward is blocked. It seems you follow God's direction faithfully and things were progressing as you hoped. But then out of sudden, you realize how quickly Things can turn, take a turn for the worse. This is exactly what the Israelites had to face in Exodus 14. Last Sunday, I preached about God's exit plan as we begin this new sermon series and how it began with the cries of the Israelites. God listened to their cries, their groanings, and God remembered his covenant, the covenant that he made with his, their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. God called, it, called Moses to go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. You know, God was not quietly sitting in the background. God was working things out in the way that he was able God's ex-plan was in progress through many different characters and pieces in the story, though they couldn't see the big picture. In the same way, God's ex-plan for our lives begins with our longing to end things that trap us as an individual, as a family, as a community. It begins with our desire to let go of the things that suppress God's blessings and things that diminish our God-given potential, who we are before God. And you know, every exit is an entry somewhere else. That's what we learned last Sunday. To fast forward the story, Moses and Aaron delivered God's message to him repeatedly, let my people go. They confronted Pharaoh over and over again. But Pharaoh's hardened heart wouldn't permit them to leave. Even after 
you know, the uh, experiencing terrible plagues, the plagues after plagues. It wasn't until he was struck by the devastating blow, the death of the firstborn son during Passover. The Pharaoh eventually summons Moses and Aaron says, Up and leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said. Go, and also, interestingly, he says, bless me. As you go to worship your Lord, bless me. But according to today's reading, the embarrassed, angry Pharaoh and his servant changed their mind when they heard the Israelites were gone. They changed their mind. And see what Pharaoh does. He decides to pursue the Israelites with his vast army and military devices. His goal is to trap the Israelites at the Red Sea. And now the Israelites must have been overjoyed. You know, and thinking, we're free now. Our slavery is over. God gave us a salvation. But you know what? When they saw Pharaoh's army and, and all the uh, military of Devices approaching, they panicked. They are terrified. They cannot move forward because there is a sea in front of them, and they cannot move backward because the Pharaoh and his soldiers are in pursuit behind them. So they are completely trapped between them. As I preached last Sunday, our God is the God of redemption. Our God is the God of deliverance who listens to our cries, grants us his exit plan when we feel trapped and stuck in our lives. However, following God's plan doesn't necessarily mean that everything will proceed smoothly without any problem, or without any hiccups. You may have to confront resistance both internal and external. There's a book uh, written by William Bridget, a psychologist. Uh, the title of the book is Managing Transitions. In this book, uh, he understands transition as a process by which we uh, unplug from an old world, old identity, and, and plug into a new world, a new identity. He proposed three phases in transition. Let me show you... Um, I'm not sure if you can see clearly, but there are three phases. Uh, the transition, according to Bridges, starts with ending. It starts with ending, passes through neutral zone, and finishes with new beginning. The third phase, beginning, is about coming out of the uh, transitional uh, of, uh, time and making a new beginning. This is when people develop new identity, experience new energy, new spirit, and discover a new sense of purpose that makes the change begin to work. Neutral zone or demilitarized zone, he used another term, de uh, demilitarized zone, is a place where you go through an in-between time when the old is gone but the new isn't fully operational. 
the first phase of transition is ending, as you can see. Ending is about saying goodbye. It's about letting go of the old ways, old identity that we have. And this is a place where you confront lots of resistance. This is a place where you confront lots of resistance, both internal and external. Why? Because people feel comfortable where they are. People don't like changes, even including good ones. And let's be honest, those people include us, you and I. As you look at these three phases, where do you think the Israelites in Exodus 14 are located? In terms of the three phases, where do you see the Israelites in the book of Exodus 14? I think they are here, the first phase, ending. The first phase, they are saying goodbye to the Pharaoh and letting go of their old identity as slaves. But as we read this story, resistance comes from both directions, external and internal. In the case of Exodus 14, the external triggered the internal. And we see this pattern repeated throughout their wilderness journey. And think about how this speaks to our own spiritual journey, friends. How many times we see ourselves going through this internal, external resistance when we come up with our exit plan, the exit plan for our lives. This past Friday, we sent a short survey to everyone. Thank you to those who responded to this brief survey. If you haven't got a chance to fill it out, I encourage you to do so after the service, please. And the first question in the survey was, what do you think is the most important exit plan that God is calling you to work on at this time? What is the two most important exit plan that God is calling you to work on at this time. I invite you to, to pick two, the most important exit plan for your life today. That the list of choices include retirement, relationships, finance, end-of-life plans, spiritual growth or spiritual depression. And can you guess what the two areas most of you chose in this survey? The majority of responders chose these two. First, relationships and finance. In the next question, we ask, if you have found or find it difficult to work on your exit plan, why do you think is the case? Where do you encounter resistance most? I want to read some of your responses from the survey so you can see how it speaks to you personally. Uh, one of you said, time to think. The time to think made it hard for them to work on their exit plan. Here's another one. Right now, everything is so expensive and it's hard to pay the bills. After everything is paid, there is nothing left to be able to enjoy the things that we enjoy. I guess uh, this person is talking about the uh, retirement plan, right? 
Another, another uh, response is here. Other priorities in my life make it difficult to focus on an exit plan. Other priorities that we are juggling with. Here's another one. Challenging people. Challenging people makes it hard to work on our exit plan. And one person wrote this statement, I'm often judgmental of other family members and my friends. And I really appreciate your candor and honest um, answers. You know, this is exactly what the uh, people of Israelites had to go through, the same challenge when they felt uh, they were led into a dead end. Again, being attuned to God's exit plan doesn't guarantee Everything will proceed smoothly without any troubles. God's exit plan doesn't mean things will always unfold as we hope. But but only according to God's purpose and timing. We just got to trust that God's exit plan encompasses all of it, including the resistance that we are facing. God's exit plan is greater than the barriers and resistance we encounter. When Pharaoh caught up with the Israelites, he and his army must thought that they had them trapped. They thought that, you know, we have the Israelites trapped. The Israelites were also buying their sentiment, but the reality of the situation was the exact opposite. You know, God had Egyptian trapped. And he had instructed Moses to move the Israelites to camp near the shore. In verse 13, God speaks to the Israelites through Moses. Moses says these three things. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. And watch God do his work of salvation for you today. He tells them three things that speaks to their hearts and minds and spirits. First, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And this is a message to their troubled hearts, heart in terror and fear. Second, Moses says, stand firm. Stand firm. This is a message given to their will and determination regulated by our minds. Lastly, he says, take a look at what God is doing on behalf of you. Take a look at what God does for your salvation today. And this is a message given to their spirit because it's a spiritual reality that cannot be be seen without the spiritual knowledge about what God is doing. One of the books I read during my vacation is a book written by Lisa Turkist. Those of you who joined Forgiveness Bible Study last year should be familiar with her. Recently, uh, she wrote a book entitled Good Boundaries and Goodbye. The subtitle is Loving Others Without Losing the Best of Who You Are. It's definitely a book for those who work on godly exit plan for their relationships. 
In your relationship with someone, have you ever thought, I cannot keep doing this, something has to change? Or I've tried everything to fix this relationship, but nothing is working. And I fear I'm becoming someone I don't even like. Or even I love this person, but this is starting to feel impossible. You listen to all the advice from your friends and even your counselors and therapists. But you're beginning to realize if the other person doesn't want to change what's broken in the relationship, you cannot change it on your own. So now what? Perhaps it's time for you to be attentive to God's exit plan for your relationships. Of course, God's exit plan doesn't necessarily mean to cut off or break up with the person, but to take a new direction, to make a radical change in the relationship. In this book, she shares some of the core insights to, for us to remember. I want to share with you a few of them for those of you who feel called to come up with exit plan for your relationship at this time. One thing she shares is, you cannot build trust that keeps getting broken. All relationships can be difficult at times, but they should not be destructive to our well-being. She also says, it's not unchristian to require people to treat you in a healthy way. Where there is an abundance of chaos, there is usually a lack of good boundaries. You know, each statement I just shared with you needs a lot of unpacking. But I believe it gives you something to think about, something foundational to consider as you work on the exit plans for your relationship. And I, want to, I strongly encourage you to read this book, though, Good Boundaries and Goodbye. The one statement that struck me was this, we must not confuse the good commands to love and forgive with the bad realities of enabling and covering, covering up things that are not honoring to God. And she said, boundaries are not just a good idea, they are a God idea. Good boundaries are not just a good idea, they are a good idea, God idea. Friends, whatever exit plan you are working on at this time, remember God is the one who speaks to our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Be aware of where you are in the face of transitions among these three faces and listen to what God speaks to you, what God speaks to your heart and mind and spirit. If you feel like you are stuck in the process of following God's exit plan and find yourself facing resistance from all directions, be sure that you are on the right track. As long as you are faithful to God's exit plan, be sure that you are on the right track. You've made the right decision. Now you just need to make your decision right by following through God's exit plan. Remember what God spoke to the Israelites through Moses. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. And watch God do his work of salvation for you today. Remember, God is greater than all the hindrances to your true freedom. So follow God, even though it be through the great waters. Amen.